soon we'll be hearing this song. NHL season around the corner. Maple are Leafs we, back in action. Are we sure about that? I think they'll win one game, and we will hear the song. Oh, this, right. Sorry, I had a goal song. song in my head. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Their win song. I, I do anticipate the Leafs over under zero and a half wins to be okay, yes. over. That was not me making a Leafs will stink joke. <laughs> no, that was no, me no, making I know. Well, Dreams becoming true, Joe. Oh, I wonder. That's we'll what have, I was getting Soon at. we'll be having yeah. the conversation. Mm-hmm. Will they change the goal song? Before that, though, they did something. They did secure a head coach for the next two seasons and beyond. And after this little contract uh, was extended with our guy, Sheldon Keefe, let's talk to our insider, though. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Kipper. How's it going, Kipper? Good. How are you guys? We're good. Good to chat. I, I I can feel the energy in your voice that you are well, so Well, it's 8 a.m., so it's even better because sometimes we get you at 7, and now we get you at 8. Everyone's yeah. ready, coffeeed up, and we're ready to chat some no, maple leaves. I'm just talking about uh, the energy that I hear oh. from you on 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 anticipating another great regular season. I think that we can probably <laughs> circle that as a, a thing that we will see and cheer for and watch. And then what happens after that will be a major question. Um, but okay, so yesterday, Sheldon Keefe announcement, uh, two-year extension. Why now? I think there's a lot of reasons that we're trying to uncover. Was it to shut everybody up so we don't have to talk about the lame duck coach uh, for the whole season? It just kind of felt like it was out of the blue, but maybe you as an insider knew that it was brewing this whole time uh no not out of the blue uh he was promised when they made the decision what six weeks ago that uh he was going to come back uh, it was a process for sure when you bring in brad tree living and uh he is in a get to know you position and that was the case with with sheldon and they just came to the conclusion a while ago that he was going to come back and Saying that, there was not a, a rush. They had other uh, priorities, and they finally got to it. But I don't think there was ever um, in the last six weeks uh, where they wavered on on whether or not he was going to get an extension. It was just a matter of when they were going to get around to it. So this team, for sure to start last year, and if memory serves me correct, to start two years ago as well, has had pretty slow starts to the year where we have been asking questions about a coach change at the beginning of the season. We know the, how deep the pockets of MLSE are, but nobody likes to pay for things or, or get rid of things they just paid for six weeks ago. How much does this remove the ability for the Leafs to use the bullet of firing the coach in season if there is a sputtery stretch or if they have that disastrous road trip like the Cali one they had last year? Does this completely eliminate the possibility of them from doing that this year, Kipper? No, it doesn't, but it, it alleviates the early pressure mm. if, if I can say that, uh, you know, with a with a essentially a three year deal now, um, it's going to mean that the noise would not be as loud on a on a three or four game losing streak than it would have been if he was still on the last year of his deal. So, I don't think that this extension makes him bulletproof if this thing goes south this year but it will calm the waters down at at, at the first sign of it and i think that's important i really do and some people are saying well just play out the year and see how it goes and uh, you can't have sheldon walk into a dress room look at 23 guys on the roster um 
and give them the feeling that uh, at a moment's notice, uh, your job's on the line. And, you know, I, I know there's some people that don't believe this, but this does alleviate that. He comes in there with the backing of the organization to start maybe calling out guys again in his way without having to feel the pressure of Kyle Dubas looking over his shoulder um, and, and thinking, okay, what's my general manager going to think of what I just said? I think, I think that's been a little bit removed with Brad tree living moving forward. I think, I think Sheldon gets a chance now to, to feel like his decisions are his decisions. Um, and I'm not saying that he doesn't have to appease his general manager, his president. Uh, but I think they're going to give him a better chance to stand alone here than, than having the thumb um, on him, like possibly Kyle had mm -hmm. last year. I think that was a natural question when we got a new general manager was how is this going to affect Keefe and Keefe got a different coaching staff and Guy Boucher, everyone's like, oh, he's next in line. But nonetheless, there's like a little bit of security there. But Keefe without Dubas, it's a new, it's a fresh slate. Um, and maybe that security that that is a fresh slate for more than a season will help uh, everybody feel a little bit at ease. But other than maybe being able to make more decisions, like what are you anticipating from a Sheldon Keefe without Kyle Dubas? Is it a little bit different in terms of how he speaks to the media, speaks to the team? Like, do you think we will see that as people that cover this team and, and watch this team? Or is that going to be more about what goes on behind the scenes that we don't really get the trickle effect out? Yeah, yeah that's a good question. I don't, uh, Ailish, I don't anticipate seeing much different uh, Sheldon Keith publicly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, over the years, he's, he's learned a little bit here. Uh, there's times when he's likes to give a lot and trust me for our real kipper and born show there's nothing better than a, <laughs> a kipper's clipper of shell yep. to dissect everything he says and how he says it and what we think he means and and all of that it's a lot of fun i gotta be honest with you um but i i think behind the scenes i think he's gonna have more of a, a comfort zone you gotta understand that this guy this guy's only known working with kyle dubas and you know they are thick as thieves we've known that uh there's a lot of people that probably believe that uh they should have gotten rid of sheldon when they got rid of uh, kyle because they're that close they're um uh, they're that adjoined at the hip um but you know give brad and maybe brendan a little bit of credit for seeing something else you know whether it it, it works or not remains to be seen but at least they they took the time to see what else is out there you know, away from a, a a Kyle Dubis, and they saw enough to think that it warrants uh, an extension here. So, I, I think publicly, uh, we probably won't see too much differently. You know, and and if there's a chance that uh, he might have to lean on the media to get a message out to the players, I think there's a chance that we'll see some a little bit of a different angle there, without the feeling of uh, you know, I wonder what Kyle would think of what I just did. But, uh, you know, behind the scenes, probably a little bit more of, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this and if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down my way, not necessarily, uh, worrying about, you know, what, what Kyle would have thought. 
Yeah, the the commentary and look, I you know I'd love the Leafs to get off to a rip roaring start where he doesn't have a chance to do this, but it'll be very interesting to see his tone after the first lackluster effort night or a night where they just didn't have it. I mean, we all remember him calling the comments soft and purposeless and then walking them back. Do you think it kind of tells us anything about the Leafs org if we're not getting that from Sheldon Keith this year? Because you know, I know you I know you just talked about this, but th- it was the belief that maybe it was Dubis who made him walk back those comments but if Dubas isn't here and he's not taking that aggressive tone what does it tell us about the rest of the front office and the way they think about how you have to kind of manage these players yeah um yeah listen uh, we're all going to anticipate that Gunner no question in terms of uh you know the first hiccup and how they handle it and how he handles it and you know where the underlying messages are from from Brendan and and uh and Brad it'll be interesting to see how uh accessible or vocal or quotable Brad tree living plans on being this year. Uh, you know, with all due respect to places like Calgary and, and other places in Canada, there's a different vibe here uh, with the media and you've got to be really selective on when you come out publicly and when you want to say something and the purpose beside behind your, your uh, uh, scrum or press conference or uh, you know, interviews uh i don't know do we hear what's the over under on how many times publicly we'll hear from brad tree living is it three four or five times uh, mm. during the season so those are a lot of questions that uh we're all going to be looking uh towards the answers uh, over the course of the year but i, I think just I, I i do believe that sheldon has more range and more freedom to be more of his own coach uh, today than he ever has in the past and uh i, I think he's going to try to take advantage of it and he's got enough experience now to to sit there and say okay this is this is my call and i'll 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 sink or swim with it since Brad Trey Living was named as general manager back in May, he's obviously had a, a busy offseason draft, uh, trying to get some free agent players and then sign the Matthews contract extension. And this now is the next thing in line that he did accomplish. Um, I wonder for you how how much Brad would have had to learn about Sheldon Keefe in this courting period and what he would have been looking to learn in this last two months or so to find out that Keefe was the right fit for three years and why three years would be a perfect, I think he said like a a perfect timeline or perfect meet in the middle in terms of where the organization views Sheldon Keefe and maybe this window, like what would that process have been like? What do you think he needed to learn and maybe how much input the players would have had on this? Yeah, there's the 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 internal info that you can get, and that's meeting over a coffee or a dinner or just getting to know each other. And I think that went really well for Sheldon because because Brad had has publicly said that uh, you know you you keep good people, which I, I think is you know I don't think you can get any better of a compliment than that, to be honest with you, as a starting point. But then there's the external uh, information that you gather, and I think that's probably what led the most to his uh, his extension, Ailish, is the fact that uh, the Leafs did get calls on on Sheldon, on what are your plans. And at the end of the day, Brad and Brendan Shanahan uh, 
had a real strong feeling that if they were going to let him go, he was going to be a head coach uh, by September somewhere else. And then you get into the process that if if we do let him go and 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 he's not sought out uh, after uh, by some other clubs, then what are we replacing him with? And they just couldn't come up with a name right now that uh, that they felt fit better. Uh, that was very obvious to them than Sheldon Keefe. So maybe a, a process of elimination. This is not the year before where you look around and you got coaches with 600 wins out there like Paul Maurice or DeBoer, uh, Bruce Cassidy, of course, you know, couldn't couldn't coach at the end of the year, you know, out of a wet paper bag for Boston, but he can go to Vegas and, and win a Stanley Cup. Um, th- those Those names weren't out there. So I think, you know, outside of their one-on-one basis with, with Sheldon, they just did not see anything at this particular time that, uh, that in their estimation, fit better than Sheldon moving forward. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. You know, I know the, the one kind of white whale name that was out there was Joel Quenville, but I believe he's still waiting to be reinstated by, by the NHL. And honestly, I wouldn't put it past the NHL waiting until the Leafs had a, had a coach to kind of straighten all those things out. I think they'd probably want him to come back just about any place other than Toronto, given how loud the conversation around that would be. You know, one other thing I was thinking about with Keith and the perception of him is, I wonder how much of it is colored by the fact that we don't really have a camp to put him into on one hand, we say, ah, this guy's a player's coach. He's letting them make the lines. He's letting them play music at practice, but then you see him on the bench and that doesn't look like a player's coach to me. That looks like a guy who's angry and occasionally kind of hard to play for. How much of the problem with the perception of Keefe is just that he's not seen as one or the other. You know, we see it all the time. A team will hire torts, fire him, and then all of a sudden Bruce Boudreaux is the next guy that gets brought in, the pendulum swinging the complete other direction. It feels like Keefe kind of straddles that line, and I think that's a good thing, but it also makes it kind of hard to put a pin on exactly what he is as a coach. What, what do you make of that, Kipper? Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, good comments because there is a range where we've seen Sheldon um you know, and it's uh, it goes from, you know, some guys sometimes a little laid back to the point where he's absolutely losing his you know what on the bench, and I think that's just something that he's got to continue to 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 battle, uh, continue to get through. There is a a reputation he has as a hothead behind the bench. Uh, at times, he's disrespectful uh, to officials. And uh, sometimes that can bleed into the players. And, you know, we've seen instances where, you know, uh, Mitch Marner has uh, has blown up behind the bench. And, uh, you know, that's that falls on Sheldon Keefe. That's his bench. He has he has to control his junk back there and he's got to make sure it doesn't have a, a negative ripple effect on his players. So that's something that he continues to have to to work on. Uh, no question about that. But uh you know, as far as a Joel Quenville out there, there's no appetite right now out of the mm-hmm. National Hockey League and Gary Bettman's office to let this guy in anytime soon. Uh, that's not to say that things can't change in the fall or by Christmas. And like I said, uh, I don't believe this extension makes Sheldon bulletproof this year. Uh, but, um, you know, I mean, you're going to have to be talking about, you know, a, a 
Toronto Blue Jay type of season for the Leafs to people. Oh God, for for, for, people, to start, for people to start talking about uh, Joel Quenville coming in to replace uh, Sheldon Keefe, and uh, I don't do I dare say it. I don't anticipate a, a Toronto Maple Leaf uh, uh, season that reflects the Blue Jays right now. Please God, no. Please don't. <laughs> we can't do it. We cannot do it, Kipper. Oh, this 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 city would lose it. Oh, just Austin Matthews sitting at uh, at thirteen goals uh, in, oh. in January oh. or something. Oh, he's yeah. okay, Kipper. Let's, uh, let's come on. Don't put that in the airwaves, okay? It's just bad <laughs> bad juju. Um, okay, before we move off, Keith, I just wanna. I, I'm curious. This uh, what percent chance you would give? to Keefe coaching through this entire contract with the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Tough one this morning. Yeah. I, I, 30%, 25%, 30% chance of, of okay. seeing the next three years. Yeah. yeah. Sounds uh, Blue it's, Jay-esque. It's, uh, it's, under, it's under, it's under 50%. Okay. Uh, I think it's, I think it's tough. I, I think, you know, these, He's an emotional coach. Well, Kipper, doesn't he, it doesn't he, it kind of feel he, like doesn't it kind of feel like he'd have to win the cup in the three years to to last there, or at least make a conference final or something along those lines? Like just given the expectations of this team and how capped up they're going to be, doesn't it feel like it's kind of if he doesn't make it to at least the conference finals in the life of that contract, I can't see a world where he listen, finishes I, it up. I, I I don't see a, a first round loss uh, leading to a second year on the contract, right? So no, you're right. Uh, is it if 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 he has the exact same season as last year where he wins the first round and they uh, they falter in the second round, I, I just don't see it. At the end of the day, uh, you know, say what you will about his winning percentage in the regular season. I don't know what it is in the playoffs, 431, 440. Not good enough, whatever it is. Right, and if, if, if he has another year where he's adding to a, a dismal playoff percentage record, uh, I I don't see a scenario where he gets to finish his contract. You you guys love Kipper's Clippers and and rightfully so. Sheldon Keefe a big big part of that. I'm wondering how much you're not going to love uh, the addition of Kipper's Clippers that features William Nylander coming to training camp and telling everyone how <laughs> little he cares about the pressure he should be feeling at that moment. Uh, what a gong show day that's going to be whenever he shows up uh, and the Leafs open up camp. Hey Kip. Oh listen, he's he's Willie. Willie being Willie, I don't. Yep, what, exactly. What did you expect? <laughs> Nothing different. <laughs> Nothing different. Uh, listen, he, these are star players. They're 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 guys that uh, that they know what they're capable of doing. He is totally in the driver's seat here, right? So uh, he knows it, and uh, he's acting accordingly. So. Another 40-goal season would put him in the ballpark of uh, the Leafs offering $10 million or, or getting it somewhere else. So uh, does he does he go to 35 goals? Does he go to 50 goals? Uh, he's just uh, – he knows where his place is. He knows he'll never be that guy that has to carry the mail every night. He'll get an opportunity to be the best player on the ice and then maybe disappear for a game or two and – he can still score 40 with his eyes closed. So he he knows he's getting his money. He just doesn't know where yet. Um, how do you think that, uh, um, we talked about this earlier in the show, but we put the conversation about Mitch Marner 
on the back burner, of course, but we look at this hierarchy of of who who could make make the most of signing early or signing a contract uh, that's home friendly or that would you know give good PR. And we we were saying that Mitch Marner would really benefit from not going through this process when it's his turn, not going through the waiting game of oh we'll play it out and and we'll see. And maybe he's a guy that actually would benefit the most like personally from doing that. I know Mitch Marner's conversation is farther away um, than William Nylander's is, but when you look at what happened with Matthews and what happened with Nylander and the, the amount of attention that these conversations or lack of conversations get, do you think that something would change when it's Mitch Marner's turn to go through the contract extension talks? No, Mm, not good. So we can start it now then. (laughs) Not not at all. And Mm. uh, that, that was, that was decided, you know, five years ago, mm-hmm. six years ago, when they first started signing these guys, and and Matthews got away with being the highest paid player without offering eight yeah. years on a contract, and then he got a he got a second crack at being the highest paid player on a four year contract, and so so the the table was set long ago for mm-hmm. for Matthew for for Nylander and now Marner this time next year to be looking at the same scenario so <laughs> just start Ailish just start with <laughs> what kind of season is it going to be mm-hmm. for Mitch Marner is it an is it a is it another 100 point season another still waiting for one kip Stop it. 99 <laughs> is 100. Stop it. Okay? Don't piss me off. The season hasn't started. We already asked our last okay? question, so I can get you as angry as I want now. That's he's, my thought. He's he's a 100-point player, and if he has a career year at 110, 115, 120 mm-hmm. with the likes of Tyler Batuzzi, um, you know, this time next year we're talking a lot more than 13.25 for Mitch Marner on a long-term deal. If you want to talk about a a three-year extension or four-year extension, then, you know, again, does he, has he outscored Matthews for the fifth time in uh, what, eight eight years? And there's an argument there that uh, he will pass Austin Matthews if they want to argue it. Okay. Well, we'll just, Punt that conversation down the road, Kipper. Uh, but we <laughs> we can't we can't get into it today. Uh, we will let you go though. We're excited for Kipper and Born. Excited for hockey season around the corner, and hopefully some weekly chats with Kipper. Thanks, buddy. All right, sounds good. You guys have a great day. You as well. Thanks so much. That's Nick Kiprios, former NHL forward and host of Real Kipper and Born, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Kipper, I can't, we cannot do this. I ta- I've actually spoke to Bourne about his way he's going to choose to deal with that conversation with Kipper, and uh, I liked the theory of him just agreeing all the time. So, yeah, no, why not 16? Should have, you should make 20 million a season. Why not? Keep going higher. Keep Half going the higher. cap, whatever at this point. Um, all right, well, there's always going to be lots of Leafs chat around uh, this area, especially with training camp around the corner and all things you know, solidified except for William Nylander. So we'll bring all that to you and more. And Kipper will always have the best of uh, 
pulse on that one. <laughs> yeah, he, oh boy, uh, will he? He will be uh, causing pulses to skyrocket yes. while keeping a pulse on that situation. But yeah, it's going to be a year of this, man. And mm-hmm. the the difference is between Nylander, the guy who's going to go through it, and Marner, the, or the, Nylander will go through it this year. Marner hopefully doesn't. Hopefully he has a Matthews-type thing, and I'm not talking about a deal, but I just mean in the fact that it's done before camp. But just look at the two guys. Look at their faces during a hockey game. William Nylander, sometimes you don't even know if he realizes he's playing in the NHL. It's just water off a duck's back. Nothing bothers him. It's his demeanor. I I wish I could be like that in life. I have a lot more <laughs> Marner in me. I'm constantly thinking about things. I'm worrying about how I'm being perceived and are things spiraling and all of that. One guy clearly can handle that. I think that's Nylander. And I don't think Marner wants to welcome that. But I also think that that's... If you really want to push and you want to push for the deal, that's what it takes sometimes. So, yeah, it's uh, be a fun year in, in Leafland for sure. Hopefully on the ice as well, but a lot to talk about off of it. How about if I told you I had news of a Toronto star signing a contract extension that just happened about one hour ago? I'd love to hear it. I didn't know. I'm shocked. Swag Kelly. I figured it was Argos related. Swag Kelly. <laughs> Chad Kelly. Just uh, signed a three-year extension with the Toronto Argonauts um, amid, obviously, what's been a really incredible breakout for him after coming in relief of last year's Grey Cup, leading the Argos to a title. Now leading the Argos atop the East 8-1 eight and to one, eight and one record. Um, a three-year contract expected to be fully announced, or it might have already been. Yep, I'm on the Argonauts page right now, and it is official. Um, yeah, it just outstanding most outstanding player level at this point again and uh what he's been able to do for the city has been really fun and it's been fun to follow the swag kelly story and you get three-year extension on that one that's awesome good for him uh we had ping we had pinball on earlier mm-hmm. i i really just used that interview to give mckee a pep talk about being awake in the morning so that was really the crux <laughs> of it there but he was he was obviously gushing about uh chad kelly mm-hmm. a classic cfl story right a name some of us knew when he was in college there's been problems off the field that had kind of walked him to this opportunity taking full advantage of it it's a classic cfl story and honestly it warms my heart to see so many people loving the argos i cannot i cannot for the life of me think the last time Mm. there was this much buzz about them in the city it's been quite some time and look they've had good teams before it's not just because the team is good there's clearly something else going on there the the move to bmo has been great Mm -hmm. so yeah kudos uh to all involved there and nice kudos to Swag Kelly for getting yeah. his money. There you go. He's been on the show a couple times. He's also super great. So we got good things cooking with the Argos. Uh, we got Burke coming up in a sec, but I wanted mm-hmm. to sneak this in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Blue Jays, they, uh, yeah, back to the Blue Jays. I know no yeah, one really wants on. it, but I'm going to sneak it in for two seconds. <laughs> they 20-ish wins this month. That's kind of what we're all looking at. Maybe you think it's 22. Maybe you think it's 19. Something along those lines. The Dodgers have 21 wins by multiple runs in the month of August that just wrapped up. Only five teams in Major League history have done that. Now, obviously, the multi-run thing is the difference there. Uh, so it was the uh, the Giants in 1916, the Yankees in 1938, the, A- the A's in 1929, the Yankees in 1939, and the Boston Bean Eaters in 1891. First time in Bean nearly eaters. a century a team has done that. So, uh, yes, Dodgers, incredibly impressive. And the fact that that's 
the, you have to reach back that far in history to kind of put some perspective just how tough a job the Jays have uh, have in front of them next month. So good luck, everybody. I was just about to be like, all right, great. I'm going to bet the Dodgers to win today, and then no, they're playing already, the Braves. I already have them. I already have Braves I was on like, the money line. Okay, I flipped my mind so quickly when I Spencer saw they were Strider. playing yeah. the Braves. So mm, I liked your facts, but it doesn't no, no. help my wake and rake pick. I'm still looking for one. So send them in at 590-590. A tough one yesterday. Uh, Messi did not score. How dare he? First time ever. They've been rigging it every other time. They couldn't rig it when I included on the wake and rig. It's okay. I lost too. I think we, okay. we just, it's been a tough go tough. this week. So let's, uh, let's flip the script. Uh, let's wrap up our show with Brian Burke, former NHL executive and obviously uh, a big, big part of the PWHL Players Association that was announced uh, just a couple of days ago. We've been working behind the scenes for quite a long time. Uh, we'll chat with him about what was, as he put it, one of the most important days in women's hockey history. That's all next. Your daily dose of everything NFL. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Gunner and Ailish, the final block on your baby Friday before we send you off onto your day with no Blue Jays baseball. It's a treat for all of us. Yeah, honestly. Well, <laughs> after yesterday, you would have liked to see if they could follow it up. But yes, gener- generally speaking, uh, a day off from the Jays, not the, not the worst way to spend your summer so far. And we'll wrap it up um, with a chat about some real great news that's happened here in the women's hockey world. And Brian Burke has been uh, a really important part of women's hockey for a long time, but specifically now, again, with the PWHL, with the Players Association as the executive director. And of course, we know him as a former NHL exec as well. Berkey, how's it going this morning? Good, thanks for having me on, folks. Oh, we were very excited to chat with you because this has been a pretty exciting week. Um, you said it was the most exciting day in the history of women's hockey on Tuesday with the league's inaugural press conference. Um, for you, you know, you've been around the game for a little while. Just try to put this into context um, for the journey that you've seen with women's hockey and the start of something that seems really fresh but also really sustainable. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. I think you go with a game that these women have played, obviously, this entire time, but the acceleration and the, the way it's played, the quality of the players, I think the coaching that came in about 25 years ago, and the acceleration of the sport, I don't think I've ever watched a sport where a group of athletes has improved more in the last 25 years than the women have in hockey. That's one. Now they got a unified front. The first time they haven't been separated and and segregated by teams in terms of leagues and who's playing with whom. Now you got one league with the best players in the world, um, and you got a, a funded, uh, fully funded new league. It's going to give them the opportunity to succeed with training and coaching and all the other aspects being provided. It's really exciting. So just just talking about the perspective from the players union, you know, typically when we see a players union and a league get together, it's okay. What are we fighting about? Let's have at it. And I'm not saying that there can't be some disagreements on things between the the players association or the union and this league. But while it's being formed, obviously, it is much more important to work together than it is to work apart. Just if you could talk about how different it is to work with a players union that that has, I won't say a different set of goals, but the circumstances are just different versus uh, unions you've you've either been a part of or, or worked with in the past? Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's very different. That This is a, a unique circumstance in, in pro sports. It's not the single entity theory where all these teams are owned by one, one, one league. So that all six teams in this league are owned by one entity. That single entity is not a, a unique model in pro sports. 
they've used that in a bunch of other sports. But the notion that the women that represent this group, the five key women, would negotiate a CBA with these owners in, 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 a, in a vacuum, you know, like, okay, what do you like? What do you like? It's been a very collaborative process, and that's the goal going forward is that it be collaborative because we've got a multi-year collective bargaining agreement that's going to go for, what, seven, eight years now, and uh, that's that's unique. Where have you help, uh, felt that your experience um, as an NHL exec and, and your experience in the game has helped the most with this? And I know you don't want to give yourself a lot of praise, but you've, you know, you've been personally driven to help the women's game for a really long time. They brought you on for a specific reason. Um, where do you see that that has already been beneficial and where do you hope to continue to lend your voice in the way that the PWHL grows? Well, I think that's, uh, again, these are, these are really good questions because I think uh, my view is I work for these women and I'm going to add, you know, whatever value I can, whatever they ask me to do. And so to me, it's um, kind of all hands on deck. It's the same with me work for a team. Like Pat Quinn, when I worked for Pat, I never turned to Pat and said, I don't want to do that. He'd say, here's what we're doing, and I find a way to get it done. The same way with the, the women that I represent is that uh, – We've got a goal here to have a collaborative, cooperative uh, undertaking as best we can. It's been uh, the concept of a league forming in a collaborative way and then putting together a, a support system for these women who typically, these women have operated without very very little or no support. Now, I've told the story a couple times, but I remember going to a Calgary Inferno game and watching the players wait while their one roll of tape they had was passed around. They didn't even tape their shin pads before they went out for a game. This is a pro game with the Calgary Inferno. Same thing with the Toronto Furies. So I've been a supporter of the game for a long time, but I remember when they had no support, no no assets, no no support whatsoever, and now they're getting into a fully funded uh, situation with full support, trainers, coaches, everything. So I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, it feels like you. It feels like the league has kind of struck the best balance between obviously it being player driven, it being its own entity. But I, I think we all agree that having the NHL on board, whatever the capacity that ends up being, is a great thing as well. I mean, those are partners who know how to run a league. They have great resources themselves. What does it mean to the league to have the 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 partnership with the NHL, but not have it be? the NHL show, you know, this would have been very different if the NHL came in and said, we're going to set up a league. Obviously, you know, they were not, they were not in a position to want to do that. It feels better to me this way that it is set up kind of by the players who understand it. And then the NHL is still there as a resource and a partner. Yeah, that's the balance. So I think the key here is this is up to us. It's up to up to the players. We've got to make this work. We've got to make it grow. We got to grow the popularity of the game. It's up to us. But to have a partner that's willing to underwrite significant parts of this partnership are tremendous. You know, the NHL has been a huge fan of, of women's hockey and the support system that's in place where, and we haven't even seen the visibility of this yet. This is all going to come out when the schedule comes out. But an example, like you say, okay, they're going to play 24 games and it's the Toronto, whatever they are, is going to play the Montreal, whatever they are, once we get the names. Uh, on a Tuesday night. The Toronto oh, Truculence? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll win that one. Oh, come on. <laughs> but but they're, uh, you know, now you say we're going to play that game, that particular game, we're going to play that on Tuesday night before a lease game, or we're going to, you know, do this, we're going to play this as part of a three on three 
at a winter classic that the women get to support. Mm-hmm. So if they could provide some ancillary programming and game support that really should be hugely beneficial. So we're really excited about it. The league's excited about it. Um, it, it's, it's, well, it is a, truly the biggest story in the history of women's hockey. We're chatting with Brian Burke. Um, I don't think you've had the opportunity to work with Stan Kasten before, um, but he has his hands in a lot of different um, sports worlds and now with the with the Women's Hockey League as well. Um, we're going to get a chance to chat with him actually tomorrow, but I wonder what your first impressions are of this leadership group. They obviously swung for the fences and got some incredible names, um, incredible depth of pockets as well, but that's not the most important thing. It's about having the right infrastructure and the right people on board. Um, Jana Hafford, of course, has been involved for a very long time but Stan Kasten and Billie Jean King and the group that you've been able to meet with the leadership group uh, it really feels like it's the right balance um, is that how you're feeling it when you get an opportunity to chat and to learn from them as well yes exactly and I'll come back to Stan in just a second I think the key here is starting off with a with a program where everything's been planned the players have had extreme levels of involvement it's all been planned and then ownership has said okay this is what it will take to cost to fund. This is what it will cost us to fund this for the next five plus years, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's the first time where someone stepped into it instead of saying, "All right, here we go. Let's see. We hope we can make it." It's more like, "Okay, we've set this up so we can we can make this succeed. Let's get it done." So it's a very different approach. But with Stan, I have known Stan for a long, long time. The interview with Stan when they were trying to. They were talking about hiring me to work for the Atlanta Thrashers when they first came in. That's how long it goes back. And even before that, I knew Sam when he was trying to put together an ownership group and buy the uh, New York Islanders. I was involved in that. So I go way back with Stan. Um, I think Stan, if you had to pick a couple words to describe him, you'd say number one would be he's very intense. This guy, his brain never turns off. And second, he's uh very organized, very smart, and very funny. He had a great sense of humor. So I'm really excited about my involvement with this, in large part because of Stan Caston. Yeah, uh, Berkey, I, I know you don't want to make this about yourself, but I, I'd be honest, when I, I, or I'd be remiss not mentioning it. When I saw that you were you were attached to this, you were part of it, you know, you have always been someone who's popped your head up in the game when you have something to say. I mean, we've seen it regarding the Sedin twins. We've seen it when you were here in Toronto, and we've heard it on panels countless times, but also in other aspects, whether that's being an ally for Pride events. What does it mean to you to be there to, again, I, I don't want to make it about you because it's not, but... What does it mean to you to add this as just another kind of feather in your cap, another another bullet point on a, quite the resume you've put together in this game and, and life, honestly, Berkey? Well, it means a lot. It's not about me, but it is. In, in my journey, this has been something that I've supported and loved and admired for 25 years and never had a chance to work with, never had a chance to work on that. And a couple of people have said to me, well, you took the job with the Women's League, but if you'd waited, you'd have found something else. I'm like, I know that. Mm-hmm. I waited nine months to get the, the job in Anaheim. I've been out of work before. I waited. I'm sure I could have got something with another team or another league. Uh, a couple of teams in Europe were talking to me. There, there's there's plenty of opportunities. And, and to me, I was so excited when I got offered this. I started crying when they offered me the job. I thought it was my second interview. Wow. So we had the first interview. Go to the second interview. It's all remote, of course. And I'm I got a shirt and tie on, untied, as you'll both appreciate, <laughs> but I haven't a shirt and tie on. Never changed. And, um, and the, woman, the woman said, we'd like you to, 
to take this job, and I, I started crying. Like this to me is, I never thought I'd get a chance to work on something I love that much. You could be, have a great career and never, never work. For example, you could be a thirty-year executive and never get to work in international hockey. I've gotten to do that. You could be in international hockey and never get a chance to work in collective bargaining. I've gotten to do that. So I've checked off lots and lots and lots of boxes, but to check off the box of something I love so much. And have just kind of admired from afar, and now you're right in there with your shirt sleeves rolled up. Is a dream come true? Well, I think I can speak on a lo- behalf of a lot of the the players of this league. I mean, I was a part of the CWHL, and I was a part of you know helping build this as well. So we do notice this, and we do appreciate when someone like you takes it so seriously, and you're not viewing it as a resume point. It's something you love and you and you cherish, and I think that speaks volumes to the type of people that we want in our women's game. So just like a, a thank you because I've I, you know you've cared about women's hockey for a long time, and I've been a part of that world, and I, I've seen it from afar. So just I, you deserve to definitely get um, just that appreciation um, in terms of what you've been able to do. Uh, I want to ask you about the original six markets because a lot of decision goes into where to start this incredible journey. Uh, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Minnesota, New York, and Boston, obviously more to grow um, in the future. But what do you like most about the way that the league has structured this inaugural season, the six markets, three Canadian, three American, and mostly here on the East Coast and how that will um, just help fans and help grow the fan base um, into what will hopefully be expansion in the future? Well, I think it's important that you get six markets that have a real good chance to work, and these all do. These are all markets where hockey is huge and women's hockey is huge. And so to me, the number one thing is, can we sustain and support hockey in these markets? The answer is yes. But to, you know, with hockey crazy in all of those markets, the balance between the U.S. and Canada, I think, is good. So I think it's a really good start. Um, and as far as expansion goes, we've got to make this work here first before we worry about expansion. I know it's a logical question, and anyone would say, starting like, look at the U.S. The national women's soccer team. Um, they're they're talking about expanding and expanded twice or three times already, so it's a natural progression, a natural thing to talk about. I uh, my advice to our women is let's not worry about expanding. Let's uh, let's get this going here. Let's make this work. Let's everyone pull on the oars and get it going the right way, and then we'll expand if we have to. So I love these markets. I think we'll might be able to make them all work. It was fanatical uh, supporter for the women's game in all of them. Minnesota is a huge hockey market that's the only one that's really far away from a a distance standpoint but i think i think we couldn't have done better in terms of picking markets there are some really big markets we had to leave out we'll get back we'll circle back and get some of them down the road hopefully yeah, I don't doubt it. Um, there's a lot of uh, fans clamoring for an opportunity to cheer on a local team, so that's a great sign. Uh, free agency opens tomorrow, a 10-day window for teams to sign some players. Um, I'm sure we'll see some movement in the next little while. It'll be exciting to follow along and uh, exciting that we got a chance to chat with you, Berkey. And uh, congrats again, and I'm glad that you love what you do because uh, it certainly runs uh, shows off on the players, and, and we appreciate it very much. Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed this. So let's talk again. Definitely. Uh, that's Brian Burke, former NHL executive and new executive director of the PWH.
NFL Players Association. Um, as I mentioned, tomorrow free agency opens up. They'll have the opportunity to sign three players in a in a little bit of a a window. And you would assume someone like Marie Philippe Poulin, Hillary Knight, uh, Sarah Nurse, Natalie Spooner will be signed to teams before the actual draft, which will be September 18th in Toronto. I'm hoping to get more information about that, and if fans can go to that, it'd be really awesome. But that's still about 19 days away. But tomorrow will be the opening of free agency. Love it. Exciting time. Uh, yeah, I think I think for for a lot of people, it's okay. Poulin, where is she playing? That is kind of first and foremost. I mean, she rightfully so holds a tremendously important place in, in this country. And yeah, I think uh, obviously she, and not to, you know, slight anybody else, but I think for a lot of people, especially here, that is the first, second, and third name they, they think of when they think of women's hockey. So yeah, obviously exciting to see. And then you mentioned Knight and Nurse and yeah, exciting times for the league. And you can tell Berkey's jacked up about it. You really can. You can hear the pride. Yeah. He's crying. Mm-hmm. That was, dusty. that was emotional. Um, I would say the betting odds would be minus a thousand that Marie Philippe Poulin signs with the Montreal team. Do you think? Yeah, I would think Seems so. It's pretty likely. It'd be fun. I should do like a, a mock draft of where I think people will go. But it'd be great to have like a turncoat moment. Like imagine Hillary Knight just shows up in Toronto or something like that. It'd be, it'd be I'd lovely. be less surprised about that than okay. I would be surprised if Marie signed in any Anywhere other market else. than Montreal. But. You never know. That's the intrigue of it all. Um, all right, let's uh, do a Wake and Rake to wrap up our Baby Friday. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Ailish and Gunner. All right, so no Blue Jays today and only like three baseball games. So What's up with that? Four baseball games, maybe? Uh, it's not a... Uh, Exciting. They know the NFL season starts next Thursday. You not know what? Today. We got a lot of picks from college football. So mm. I think we should just get like super funky with our picks today because we're seeing UFC like 35 and a half point spread. Mm-hmm. People are fired up um, for some random picks. So I'll read. How about I read some of the anchors Give it to me. Yeah, and let's then go. Uh, we'll, we'll select some. So Corey from Port Hope says, for my wake and break pick, I'm heading to some college football. I love UFC to cover 19 and a half in the first half spread versus Kent State. Kent State has 11 new starters on offense and is likely the most inexperienced team in college football <laughs> this year. UCF. Oh, yeah. UCF will likely put some big time points up in the first half. Okay, I, I, I agree with research. all of that logic. Love it. <laughs> Brandon from Keswick was 3-1 and one yesterday. Unfortunately, Baltimore didn't cash out. Today, I like Tigers money line, Washington plus 1.5, and, and NCAA football, Connecticut plus 14.5 to cover that spread. That is uh that that's some degen behavior. Just sitting there going, I need Connecticut to keep this within two touchdowns. Yeah. That's what I need here. <laughs> big, Love it. Uh, big college football day. Okay, so Eric Big E in Burlington. Not to, not to be confused with the Eric who we'll get to in a second. Yeah. So this is Eric Big E in Burlington. I feel like we should keep track for a week of whose picks are better, and then that's mm. it. One the other guy's got to legally change his name or move out of Burlington. Yeah, one or move the other. to the to a different suburb. Um, today I like UCF minus. Or to cover, yeah, 35 and a half in NCAA Urban's football. all over it. Yankees, Tigers, under eight and a half, and Marlins, one and a half uh, on the spread over the Nationals. Happy Baby Friday. I think we're going to have to pick UCF I at the end so. of this. I think so. Everyone's all over it, yeah. And finally, the Eric the, from Burlington. Like he's like the Ohio State, but the Eric. The Eric it says, good morning. I like Giants money line. Padres are in a free fall. Not sure who's pitching for the Giants. Nobody's posted yet, but it would probably have to be Thomas Hatch to change my mind. 
Ooh, Thomas Hatch catches strays. It won't be. So you're good. You're Um, safe there. Okay. Well, I'm also going off the board and just, I've been kind of bad this week Mm. in terms of baseball. So I'm going to move into Coco Goff minus uh, five and a half on the game spread of five and a half because uh, she's also the U.S. Open, uh, I guess, like heart pick. You know, people really want to see an American Oh, they want an American. They want it. And she is uh, a a pretty heavy favorite. So I'm going to go on the spread, five and a half games. I gave that stat earlier today about the Dodgers have done things that (laughs) teams haven't won in or haven't done in a hundred years winning games by multiple runs 21 times in a month. Uh, They're not going to do that tonight. They're in fact (laughs) going to lose because it's Spencer Strider and the Braves who are the actual best team in baseball. Uh, Just give me them minus 140 on the money line. Thought about the run line there Mm. trying to get cute. Let's not uh, get cute with any team involving Mookie Betts, uh, one of the most terrifying players in baseball. Mm. So give me Strider and the Braves on the money line there. That's at minus 140. Okay, so we can do either UCF just to cover 35 and a half points. I love it. Or UCF to cover 19 and a half in the first half spread. I, I feel, Which one do you I like feel better? better about the blowout over the course of the full game. So okay. I think we're going with the minus 35 and a half. Wow. Sheesh. So that's Eric Biggie in Burlington, but also Corey from Port Hope has the same okay. feelings about the game being a blowout. So I'll do... UCF, 35 and a half points spread. Um, when you parlay that up, which is a random, the most random parlay that we've done in a while. Mm-hmm. Coco Goff, uh, minus five and a half on the game spread. Uh, that's a nighttime game, so you have some time to get that one in, not like an early one. Uh, Braves on the money line versus Dodgers and UCF, minus 35 and a half on the point spread against Kent State, plus 514. For your wake and rake today. There you go. Uh, here for that. Go get them. A little plus money. We oh. do. We do. What a random selection. Um, I should have done. I don't think any of the books have uh, PWHL signing odds. Signing odds, but maybe I'll ponder some of those today and hey, give them I'm, to you tomorrow I would, on the show. I would very much love to hear your your. Uh, like if you're the bookie, the lines you'd mm-hmm. be setting on it. I'm, I would Maybe love we'll present those two. Tomorrow. I would love to do that at eight thirty-five with you tomorrow. Okay, so tomorrow, uh, Friday, beautiful Friday for us. It'll be uh, the end of, end of our week with Gunner, uh, Justin over in Portugal, um, and then the Blue Jays will also be back in action tomorrow and taking on a three-game series against the Rockies. It'll be a eight thirty p.m. start tomorrow night. A couple of random times for this series, uh, but Hanjin Ryu will get the ball. We'll tee all of that up tomorrow so everybody have a happy baby friday we'll chat tomorrow morning